When the audience is growing on your podcast every single week, you realize that that means that there are more of you joining every single week, which is so exciting for the One Together podcast because it's still such early days and it means that you're loving each guest that's coming through. And they're all being selected specifically so that you feel like you're less alone in whatever you're going through. So that means you're really liking it. And on top of that, we're getting so many amazing comments and questions and emails and art suggestions. And you guys just rule. You're so creative and thinking outside the square. And it's just unreal to see all of that correspondence coming through to us here at the One Together podcast. And I just said correspondence and that made me sound like a news anchor. So <laughs> I'm going to cut that out wherever it started from. So look, if you are one of our little newbies joining us this week, g'day, welcome. I'm your host, Heather Maltman, and each week we bring you an awesome guest, whether they're a celebrity or an everyday person, just like you and me, who has been through something in their life, whether it's positive or negative, and we just share our stories in the hopes of creating more connection or even the possibility of you realizing that you are not alone in whatever you're going through. Everyone has their thing and it's about how you face that thing and come out the other side. So why don't you grab some carpet or a hot chockey and a wine, maybe the sneakers and a pair of headphones and let's get into this week's guest. Actually this one is very personal for myself which is weird because obviously every podcast we do is super, super personal. Um, But the woman that I've actually chosen to get on and have a very candid conversation with you today is the lovely and talented Jessica Rowe. And the question I pose to her is one that I'm still struggling with even today, which is what it might feel like to have a very serious mental illness. But more to the point, how do you forgive someone who does when their actions could really impact on you and your life. And if you've ever had someone you love struggle with mental illness, you know the pain that I'm talking about. You know the struggle I'm talking about. And if you are yourself struggling with mental health challenges, then you know the burden that you constantly feel like you are putting on the ones that you love. It is the worst feeling in the world. And for some reason, we constantly sweep it under the rug. So... This is actually something that Jessica Rowe and I have in common. Um, We both share a parent who struggles with mental health challenges. So I actually asked Jess to come on the podcast as she was literally the first person to treat me like I was an intelligent woman after having done The Bachelor. And it had been a year pretty much since I'd done it. So yeah, you can imagine how The Bachelor really ups one's street cred when it comes to, you know, 20 women all dating the one guy at the same time. But that's a conversation for another day, potentially when we're promoting Tinder or something. I adore this woman. She is exactly who she says she is. So I even left in the little part of our chat where Jess is just being her absolutely brilliant natural self so that you can see that she is exactly who she says she is. And you're going to love the part where she starts getting really excited about a GoPro and trying to work out how to buy one as well as the best discount shopping available to you here in Australia. And then she really opens up about her life and how one reaches out for help during those really dark times. She is a journalist. She is a writer of four 
books. She is a mother to Giselle and Allegra, two wonderful young women. She's a mental health advocate, a wife to the very sexy newsman, Peter Oberton. She's a cat lover, a self-proclaimed crap housewife. She's a podcaster, a laugh snorter, and a woman who holds her own glorious style. Who cares what you think? Please enjoy the lovely Jessica Rowe the way I enjoy her in all of her gloriousness and especially look out for the lovely guy who starts drilling upstairs. He was amazing at his timing, but we managed to keep him down to a dull roar, as my birth mother would have said, but he still makes a slight cameo. Enjoy the lovely and wonderful Jessica Rowe. The following podcast contains strong mental health themes and a discussion around postnatal depression. There may also be occasional coarse language and adult themes. Please contact a medical professional or Lifeline on 13 11 14. And also I find like... And then do you put... Sorry to interrupt, I'm just so excited. Yeah. So then do you put this table that like just up against there when yeah. you pop your bed down? Yeah, so, so I just... This pushes right up against the wall. These chairs sit inside it. Yeah. And then the chairs just line up there. And then during the day, I just keep the bed folded away. So then it just opens this big mm. space up. And mm. then the only books and things like that that I'm bringing into the space are either things that like drive your mind forward or drive your heart forward or are inspiring or something like that. So like I feel and, like they've And now this, this is a, obviously a GoPro because again, I'm... Yes. Because I'm older than you. I don't know all the technology okay. stuff. So that's just on the little stand and it films yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. I actually managed to get these really cheap. So most GoPros are about $1,000. And I don't know how, but I got that from JB Hi-Fi for like $200. Oh, wow. I know. That's great. I know. And there's a second one sitting right over there. It's really stealth. So. That's so cool. Isn't it cool? And like all the And is that a Wi-Fi connected? Uh, or how does that? So you, or is it a battery? Yeah. So those are connected to my phone. So I can zoom in and change the angle and all On your phone? Things. Yeah. I know, it blew my mind. I was like, what do you mean? That made me feel like a bit of a spy. Like you could attach that to someone and see where they're going and see things. You should put one on your cat. (laughs) Well, wouldn't that be good? Yeah, because they have harnesses. No, they have harnesses that they put on them and then it sheds the weight across their back. And then you could put it on your cat and see where it goes for the day. I would be so good. Yeah. Yeah. What a good idea. I think they've actually, well, I'm an ideas woman. Uh, No, but you could put it up so that it just sits behind their head and then that way, you know, they like use their whiskers to test how big they are. So then they won't get stuck. They won't get caught on a GoPro. It's my youngest daughter, Giselle, who's nine. She loves technology. Does she? And she would just go. Blow her mind? Yes, because she was. She wants a go a waterproof gopro that's what these are oh okay yeah so these are the hero sevens so if you get her the gray ones the the good thing about the gray ones is they're really cute and go with all the colors of the casings so i got black because it goes with the color of my equipment but you can get hot pink which come on like as if that's not the best thing ever so i remember (laughs) 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 i do so what sorry what was it called well it's a gopro but it's a go it's called a gopro hero 7 and it comes in silver i'm just i'm writing do you know what i might even email you or i might send to you where i got my ones because i wouldn't be surprised if they're still on sale Uh and jb hi-fi yeah jb hi-fi there's one at bondi junction 
yes. JB Hi-Fi. Yeah, those those guys are really good. I got mine from the Harbour Town one up in Queensland. Uh, so the Harbour Town. How good is Harbour Town? I know. Because they have all the good so, discounts. Stuff so there. many discounts there. It's great. And like, I love going in there and feeling like I'm getting the most amazing deal ever. And then I remember that it's just because it's a discount shopping centre. And I'm like, no. No, but it's still but a still, great deal. Yeah. Kate Spade. Oh. <gasps> How sad was it that she passed? Especially for mental health. I was like, no. I didn't even know she was battling with that mm. stuff. Either did I. Either did I. That's crazy. Yeah. That blew my yeah. mind. Like, I always looked at Kate Spade and all those big designers. Like, they just must love being creative and they must just be so okay. And then when it came out that she'd took her own life, I was like, what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And also because she was so known for those... But, but it just shows, doesn't it, with yeah. mental health that we all put on our facades and yep. manage it in different sorts of ways. And she was so known for those sort of sunny sayings. and Yeah, true. Especially and, on her socials. I feel like on yeah. her socials she was quite big on posting stuff and, like and that. And slogans. She'd always have the really kind of cute but powerful yeah. slogans. And it was almost like her bag was a rite of passage. Yeah. I know when I first got in, began in the workforce and all of that that you'd get a Kate Spade bag because it was, yeah, right. you made it, yeah, sort of thing. I remember becoming obsessed with Kate Spade when Charlotte from Sex and the City had one and I was like, well, now I need a Kate Spade yeah, in my life. Yeah. And when I first started looking into getting them, I think I was like 15 or 16 mm. or something. And they're expensive. They're they're really they were so expensive. Yeah. And I was like living in housing commission and I was like, well, that's not going to happen um, unless I steal one and I'm not about that. So my morals are <laughs> pulling me aside. But then you go to Harbour Town now. Yeah. Oh, but and it makes them. me feel so rich. Yeah. I walk in there and I'm like, I can afford all of this crap. Like I went into Mimco. Okay, so disclosure, my family's now going to kill me, but all of the women in my family for Christmas, I went into Mimco at Harbour Town because it was so crazy cheap. I think I spent like $500 in there and it ended up buying Christmas presents for about 10 women in my family. Perfect. And on an Perfect. everyday Perfect. like shopping spree, that would be at least bajillions yeah. and that's a real amount. Yeah, it, bajillions. Of course it is. Of course yeah. it is. Everyone knows bajillions. It's, it's such a bargain. I love a bargain. <laughs> and that's so exciting. So I have to confess something to you that I don't know if this is like a thing or not, and I don't know if I'm the only crazy person who does this, but I read your book that you wrote with your mum, and that one is called... The Best of Times. The Best of Times, The Worst of Times, yes. With um, And your mum's name's Penelope, right? So I was reading that, and I was going through and highlighting all these amazing moments where I was just like, ah, oh, me too, me too, me too, like especially growing up with a mother with a mental illness as well. Um, and I left it on a plane and I was literally one chapter away from finishing. Oh, no! Um, by the way, if you hear, like, drilling, it's the guy upstairs. We don't have gas. Um, so we've just decided to push through with him. Um, so, yeah, I left it in the, in the seat pocket in front of me and I was like, no! And it wasn't until I actually walked all the way off the plane that I realised it was gone. I've gone through everything, like top to toe, everything. So I thought maybe I was just really stupid and left it behind. But so I actually don't know the last chapter of how your book ends and where, how Penelope finishes her journey. I got, I think from memory, the last part I was up to, I think chapter 11 is the second last chapter. She talks about um, uh, the guilt, the constant guilt, like even 
like so it was present tense because when was that book released that was like early. quite a long time ago yeah you should have told me though i could have brought you a copy oh no <laughs> i could have brought well, you a copy today <laughs> well see my theory is right when you leave a book behind it's meant for someone else to pick up so if you were on a virgin flight from uh the gold coast somewhere else in australia and you found jessica rose book and it had highlighting in it it was mine <laughs> you're welcome enjoy it enjoy it enjoy you're gonna it. love it it's such a but it is such a good read and the reason why i picked it up and the reason why i wanted to talk to you today is because for the first time in my life i feel like you and your mom actually gave me this incredible gift to know what it's like to be a mother and feel like you're just constantly failing. And it doesn't matter what your child is saying to you, you just feel like you're constantly failing. I was like, wow, like, especially those parts where um, she was being admitted to hospital for the first time. Because to me, when I admitted my mum to hospital for the first time, I was like, well, this is cool. Like, this is just gonna be part of it and we'll help her and she'll get better. I didn't realise the torment that would be going on for her. And and you're so right because when we wrote that book together, and that it was the first. Mum's a beautiful writer, so Mum's written a number of novels. She has, and a, a number of books of short stories. Mm. And I I was a journalist, still am a journalist. And when we thought, well, let's write a book together, I was very anxious because I thought I'm not a writer, even though I'm a journo. I never mm. saw myself as a writer. And, and I thought, how are we going to do this together? And we, we decided what we'd do so as not to sort of pollute one another's memories because I think memory is such a capricious thing that mm. you can go through exactly the same thing with someone but you will you'll recount it in very different ways mm. and be convinced that some things happened and the other person will say, no, that didn't happen, this happened. So we thought, so that we didn't... Um, cloud each other's recollections that we we first of all sat down together and worked out chapters and headings so what we cover in each chapter yep. and then we went away and we wrote our own chapters and so for me it was it was extraordinary experience because it was it was an amazing conversation with my mum but through words and wow. you can't I don't think well, I know we couldn't. We couldn't have sat down together and had that conversation face to face because no I learnt so much about my mum. Mm. And she also learnt a whole lot about me in terms of how I felt as a little girl with a mum who was um, terribly unwell and would have times in hospital. And at the same time, I got some understanding for what it is like for my mum to constantly uh, wage this sort of battle in her head to be well. And, and, I, and that I found so confronting. And I remember, it makes me teary thinking about it, about it even now, I remember when we sort, of, we sort of caught up and we kind of exchanged these big piles of, of notes. And um, it was way before the days of emails and all that yeah. sort of stuff we sort yeah. of we, you know we typed it on I think mum had an old Apple Mac I had I don't know some old computer but we then printed it all out exchanged it and I remember reading it in one sitting and just weeping you read because, the whole thing in yes, one sitting yes because it was one of those things that once I started <sighs> I thought I can't you can't stop. you need to know I can't put this away and yeah. and 
And so it gave me a whole new understanding and respect for my mum. And oh. even though we are so close, that experience of writing that book separately but then together brought us so much closer. And, and to me, what I found probably for personally the most rewarding part of that process was it did bring us closer together and we were able to have conversations through our words through our writing that we couldn't have had face to face and mm -hmm. and so that brought us closer and it's an experience though that doesn't necessarily bring, bring people closer mm. when families are impacted by mental illness it is hard and it is shocking and it is heartbreaking and it is so just eviscerating it's so it it it, it is so painful and, and you can understand why it does tear families apart yeah. and for us what it brought us closer together and what we really wanted to do with the book as well was to show that you can come through it yeah. that as a family yes it, things happen things happen that you are, you can both be terribly sorry for and ask forgiveness for from one another but it's no one's fault it, it's just the way it is yes. and, and exactly. that's a big lesson too oh, that you huge. can't blame it's you can't blame a person for their illness no. it's not the person it's their illness and so for us when we did that book together we both felt incredibly strongly about um, having a story of hope and a story of survival and a story about how love can endure and how love can bring a family together and keep you going. And I think that's so important because time and time again, you hear the damage that mental illness can cause. And, and it can be terribly damaging, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And that and it's we all of us in all different times and periods of our lives we need hope and we need to hang on to hope yeah. so for mum and i writing that book together was you know makes me teary thinking about it it was uh kind of it was one of hope saying yes this was so terrible but but we came through it and and I mean, we still, the thing is, and you would know this too, with mental illness, it's not as if there's an end. I mean, you said what happened <laughs> in the last chapter. I know. But it's, it's ongoing. And yeah. even though I'm now 48, I'll be 49 later this year, I still, when mum is unwell, when mum has episodes of her illness, when mum has to be hospitalised, I still feel like that little girl. I still feel helpless and powerless and... And I want to fix it. Yeah. I want to fix it for her. Yeah, you do. Even though I know now, as a grown-up, sensibly, you can't. <laughs> like that, it's impossible. You can't. Yeah, you fix. can't fix it. And also, too, you can't fix somebody. It's mm. not anyone's job to fix someone else. It's really that person's job. Yeah. <laughs> to real, if someone wants to get help, wants to look after themselves. Yes, you can listen, you can support, you can empower, but, but you can't make them. They have to be the ones who say, you know what, I need help, I'm going to make these changes. So even though I know all of that now, when mum is unwell, I still feel like that little girl at times and I still feel 
angry and a sense of it not being fair. Why is it happening to mum? Why is it happening to me and my family? You know, the helplessness. It's helpless, but also Ugh. selfish at times. Like, yeah. this isn't convenient, mum. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be sick now. Can you do it next week? Like, <laughs> this, I've got too much on. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, I can't drop everything. I can't. Yeah. But the thing is, you do, yeah. and of course you do. But so it's that whole, um, th that's the part that it doesn't end. Mm. And... But I think for both mum and I, and, and also too, since I've become a mother, I marvel at how my mum really was able to keep it together for so long as a single mum with three little girls yeah. and battling, dealing with a severe mental illness. I, I marvel at that. Mm. And so that's given me a whole new, deeper love and respect for what she did continues to do and her mothering yeah. that that she obviously when she was unwell she couldn't mother the way she wanted to mm. but there are plenty of times though when she was well when she wasn't um in hospital and then once you see with mum's illness because it, it is bipolar but she wasn't diagnosed until she was in her mid-30s that's the same as my mum and so mm. because Obviously, a lot of her earlier life then, she looks back now and she's like, oh, I wasted so much time and if I, she wishes she'd known earlier then, yeah. because then she would have handled things differently and also people around her would have understood her more rather mm. than saying, oh, you're being difficult or... A why are you being precious about this or, or what's going on, you know, come You're taking on. it personally. All of that. Yeah. And so, yeah, so once mum was diagnosed, that for her was a relief because it finally put a name to what she'd been feeling since she was a little girl. <sighs> but when, when she was first diagnosed, it was very hard to get the right mix of medication for her. And once they got there, that would keep her well for the majority of the time, yeah. but it still isn't enough to keep her well 100% of the yeah. time. And as she gets older, and, and all these things that you don't know or expect, her the pathology of her mental illness has changed. So How because of that, well, it's just different, the chemical, because it's a chemical imbalance yeah. in your brain. But as she's aged, that, that the way her brain processes things has changed too so the drugs that used to work don't work anymore. don't work anymore or won't be as effective so that and also she'll have different sorts of uh episodes i mean she still jokes she wishes she had had more mania and more kind of oh, <laughs> i can conquer the world and do all yeah. these sorts of things she just has terrible but really the most deepest dark depressions that's wow. that's where she would that's where her illness would take her where she just would hit rock bottom those are the moments time again yeah in the book when she writes those are the moments that broke my heart the most is when you're reading her diary and she's actually put excerpts from her diary into the book and you hear where her mind is going and how fragmented it becomes and how she's completely left reality behind and now she's in this whole other world of pain and it just it really gives weight to the saying you can choose how long you live in darkness because right on the other side is light and you're reading these words and you're like you know the light is just on the other side of her and you're going I, I, 
can't wait for you to find it. Like you, you're gonna find it. Like you just gotta keep going. Just you're hang gonna get in there. there. Yeah, hang in there. And it just, yeah, just like reading those parts really gave amazing amounts of insight into what it is like for someone going through it. And it gave me insight for the first time to what my mother might be going through. I mean, her illness is very different to yours, but at the same time, the circumstances and the way it works and the, the pain and the, the constant frustration of trying to get something that works and trying to find doctors that can help and in and out of hospitals and the, like you said, the, the fact that it can break the family apart, but at the same time, it can really bring you so much closer together. Like my favorite moments with my older sister were the ones where we were banding together to help her. That's when we would just always drop our shit and it wasn't about our fighting anymore and it was just about her and getting her well. And, oh, man, when I was reading the words, I was like, holy crap, like, if you are going through this with someone, like, this is the book to read. Like, this is definitely the book to read if you're the person on the other side. It it really gives you so much insight into their mind. It blew, it absolutely blew me apart. Oh, Heather, that, hearing you say that mm. is, uh, and I'll tell mum because I'll, I'll see her later oh, today. Please, please and she'll, do. she, that will mean so much to her as well because it's always difficult, as you can appreciate, when you lay yourself bare mm. and you open yourself up, when you do make yourself vulnerable, th there is a part of you that thinks, oh, is, is it too much? Or what am I then inviting if I do that? But for both of us, we both felt so strongly about giving people an, uh, some degree of understanding of what it's like either to be grappling with a severe mental illness and also what it's like to love someone who is grappling with a severe oh. mental illness. So we wanted to do give those different perspectives of... of mm. And also as well, it, it is hard when, when you do love someone who's struggling so, so much to also always be kind. <laughs> Oh it, yeah, it, you know, I really appreciate times. you saying that. Like there are times when they go into their oh. moment and you're like, mm, kill you. Yeah, like, this is oh like, God. no. Just, yes. Shush. Yeah. And then the people around you who don't understand it try to help you and you're like, you need to back off because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get in the fire of what I'm feeling towards yeah. her right now. Like you don't want to be in that. And that's important too, that, that mm. we give one another permission to, to also say, you know what, this is... I don't swear, but this is, you know, <laughs> yeah. and this is so wrong and this, and I'm sick of it and it's not, and I'm going to be selfish and it doesn't suit me and why is it always about you, you know, da, da, yeah. da, da, da. And, and I think mum, when I wrote my parts of it, mum hadn't appreciated how much I had struggled with that, with, with, with wow. the sense of um, being angry with her. Yeah. And... And I think it's important for people to know it's okay to be angry. Well, I was going to ask it's you. it's natural to be angry Yeah, because you were saying, like, um, you know, going through that process of understanding that it's not their fault, right? They're just, they are going through something. How did you get there? Because, like, on my end, it was an absolute... It took eight years of therapy to forgive... But not, it wasn't forgiving my mother, it was forgiving the illness for existing. Like, it took me a really long time to understand that it's not her that I'm hurt by because she, she wasn't inflicting she the pain. She didn't choose it. She, almost, she was almost like a vessel of, mm. of this other thing that just takes over and she becomes this other person. 
And I wanted to know how, how did you get to that place? And do you still have moments where you relapse and you're like, I hate you again. And then you have to remind yourself, oh, it's not you I hate, it's the illness. How did you get there? I'm not there yet. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't think life generally, Heather, I okay. think we're never there yet. Like, I, the right. older I get, the more I realise, like with, with my daughters, when we're driving somewhere, are we there yet? When are we going to get there? Blah, blah, blah. And I realise we're never there. We're never there yet. And that, oh. though, that to me is the beauty of life. That, wow. That, of course, and if we were there, how boring would it be? How boring would life be? Fair, yeah. Sure, be nice to take some of the painful bits away, but <laughs> yeah. but in but in our lives, if we think we're there, then I think we're leading a narrow life because then you're not open to all sorts of other possibilities and experiences and adventures. And I think what I have come to realise and come to terms with over time is. I can, and, and I've had lots of help with counsellors and psychiatrists and all those sorts of things, which I think is very important for people to do. Mm. And, and you, need, you need to have someone who, is, who isn't enmeshed in your family <laughs> to, to, to spill your guts to. Yeah. You need someone, an outside person. Yeah, because otherwise you just transfer the crazy oh, to the next person. Yeah. And that crazy affects you and then you affect that oh, person with your crazy yeah. and then they affect the next and it just... And, and it goes around in circles. Yeah, and then you're all in it together. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it is important at different times in your life mm. to, to get that outside help and to get counsel of someone who, yeah, who isn't enmeshed in your life but is experienced, who you click with, who can give you ways of processing and thinking about things. Mm. So I'm nowhere near there yet. But if I think about the young woman I was who wrote that book to who I am now, I'm vastly different. And I, if I was to write that book now with my mum, mm. it would be different again. Wow. And... And I think what, what I have come to realise in terms of what's helped me enormously is I'm, I'm now a mum, yeah. so I have more compassion for my mum. I've gone through postnatal depression. So oh, really? Having, is that what your other book is about, the other yeah, one that I saw so, with about children? Yeah, yeah, so I've written three books yep. and I've got a, another one coming out in That's April oh great called Tire Diary of a Crap Housewife which is much I'm lighter so, I have I have seen you talk <laughs> about it. I'm so excited for that I love your Crap Housewife brand because that will be me once that I hit that chapter of my life like a hundred percent excuse me but can, I, can we tell the listeners though Heather that we're sitting here in your amazing kind of work living space and you have never seen a more immaculate organised space. Uh, it is it is so tidy. I'm looking oh. on the wall. You've got your beautiful necklaces <laughs> on a board with pins. They're all colour coordinated. Like yeah. it's... You're organised. You're not going to be a crap housewife in the well, sense of, you know, you've got and you've got your sewing, you've got your sewing machine there, you've yeah. got your plants are alive, they're green. Like they it's... are green. I've got a big thing about live plants in a house. I believe it's good for oxygen. But, yes. Um, I mean, you could also look at the surroundings and go, a little bit neurotic. She's, no. Um, no, she's made it very perfect. Like, I feel like when things fall apart physically, that's when my mental health starts to go down and I'm like, I don't know where I am anymore. <laughs> so the organisation of the baseball cap is for that reason but we do I think we we manage 
our mental health in different ways. True. And we look after ourselves in different ways. And for me, my mess is giving myself permission not to be perfect. Mm. So that's how I, I suppose, explain my mess and crap <laughs> and clutter. Whereas if I got to, oh, everything's got to be neat and tidy, that that wouldn't be good for my mental health. Yeah, too much intensity. In terms of I'd feel, oh, I've, have, I've got to keep it all together all the time. Oh, like pressure? Exactly. Yeah. So I think... Yeah. You, again, you can't. It comes down to working out what's right for you. Yeah. So a long way around of explaining how I, sort of where I'm at now is, when I yeah, became a mum, when I went through postnatal depression, I, I got a whole, greater understanding, for, for my mum and how hard it was and is for her. And I became more compassionate, less mm. judgmental, because I was learnt to be more compassionate and less judgmental of myself. Oh, wow. Because my coping mechanism had been, when I was uh, little and mum was unwell, I think we all assume roles and masks and things. And yeah. as a little girl, I was the eldest, I've got two younger sisters, and my role was to be... Little Miss Cheerful. So I was the the tap dancer, the woohoo, whatever's going on, doesn't matter, I'll cheer everyone up. I'll be the oh, great, look, we can still find something good in here. Yeah. And so that was my role that I assigned myself. That was how I coped. And I used to think, okay, if I can make mum smile, or if I can make her laugh, or if I can do this, I'll make her better. Obviously, as a little yeah. girl, you think, it'll work but looking back I mean no that's not going to be the answer yeah. no but and so I that then became yeah my role and it helped me a lot as I grew sort of through my teenage years my 20s to, to be capable to always be uh, upbeat to regardless of what else was going on around me I could mm. pull it together and be you know show up and so that helped me enormously professionally but it didn't help me personally when I realised at different times I needed to ask for help, that, that I had to be vulnerable. Oh, and wow. I didn't realise the power of vulnerability, which is, now that I'm 48, I realise it is very empowering to be vulnerable, to actually say, I'm not coping, or I'm not perfect at this, I'm not great at this, yeah. I'm never going to be great at this, but I can be good at something else. Yeah. And and that is where then that compassion on from on myself has come from. And part of I think when I had the postnatal depression, it was a almost a perfect storm. It was a collision of me thinking I had to be the perfect mother and that I wanted to do be everything to my daughter that my mum couldn't be, not through any fault of her own, but I wanted to be perfect and I had to know how to do it. And there was obviously a wrong and a right way to do it, which there isn't. That's Jeez. crap and that's nonsense. But so there was that pressure. I uh, lost my job. I got sacked while I was on maternity leave. And what? I was being someone who had always... Isn't that illegal? Well, yes, but I wasn't in any position 
to fight to it. To fight. I just had no fight in me to do that. Yeah. And I was someone who, up until that point, had defined myself through my career and through my job title. That was my identity. Mm. And when that was taken from me, I struggled with, well, who am I now? What am I? Mm. If I can't say I'm you know, a journalist, TV presenter, capable, successful, this, this, this and this, who am I? Especially now that I'm a brand new mum and I'm failing because I can't breastfeed my baby, I can't sleep at night, I'm getting obsessive thoughts, all of these things. Far out. And then on top of that, so there were those factors and then also, of course, there's the genetic component that if, if there is a history of mental illness in your family, you are more likely to have yeah. a, some type of mental illness in your life. And for me, I at the time was terrified because I thought that I was turning into my mum. And it took me a long time to ask for help because I was really frightened if I asked for help, what that would reveal. And so I battled for a long time thinking I had thought by being successful, in inverted commas, by being capable, by being cheerful, by being upbeat, that I could insulate myself from the life that my mum had. And I know now that's absurd, but that was how, that was how I'd sort of set up my earlier life that by thinking I'll do all of these things so I can create a life for myself that is very different to the life that I had growing up and the life that I've seen my mum had to grapple with. So having then the postnatal depression it was so terrible but once I asked for help and got the help I needed it, it it made such a difference because even though it wasn't like I was suddenly better like that, that was the start of me growing up and learning about myself and what mattered and also vulnerability, about being compassionate, about realising that all of us have our things and it's not as if some people have their thing and then other people are, are, are copers and capable and don't have their things. Like, mm. no, there's, there's <laughs> yeah. not a delineation yeah. that I had thought growing up that there was. Same. And, and you don't realise that you're doing no. that, that you think, well, I'm strong and so I'm this and I'm that, so therefore that's not going to happen to me. Yeah. And which, though, makes people like you and I the perfect candidates for then yeah. deal you know, developing different mental health issues because that's not real. I mean, no. that's not realistic because... Yeah. <laughs> no, we're all, we all have our stuff. And so it, yes. it, it's helped me just become... A, I'm kinder to myself, I'm kinder to other people, I'm less judgmental, and, and I just realised that we all have our stuff. Yeah. And we all... We all at times need to ask for help and there is incredible power that comes from asking for help. It is not a sign of weakness. Yeah. And I had thought, and it's wrong, but I had thought when I was younger that asking for help was weak. That, that if you needed to ask for help, then 
There must be something wrong. With you. Yeah. And, and no, I don't need to ask for help, so therefore I'm better. Yeah. Which is not right. Oh, it's a load of crap. So that's why, though, I, mm. this is a very long, convoluted way of <laughs> no, saying so good, we're though. not there yet. That yeah. we're, we're never there yet. Yeah. I didn't learn that until, you know, I was a mum, first time mum, late in life because I didn't meet Petey, my beautiful husband, till I was a bit older. We went through IVF, so that wasn't... So I was 35 when I was pregnant, 36 when I had Allegra. So, and now, what am I now, 48, 49? So I'm still learning. So when I think about yeah. where I was at then to where I am now with a 12-year-old daughter and a nine-year-old daughter, I've come even more along the, the, the path, uh, mm. but, but I've still got so much to learn. So I feel like a lot of people would be looking at your life, right, and this is one of the things I wanted to demystify, because when I started working with you on Studio 10, I was like, I love this woman. Oh. And I actually remember like walking <laughs> off my first set and I called, because at the time my sister and I were in contact and I called her and I was like, you're not going to believe this, I've just worked with Jess and she is by far, like, and this is honest, like, hand on heart, like, I can't look at you when I say oh. it because I'll probably cry, <laughs> but hand on heart, you're the nicest woman I've worked oh. with so far in the industry. By and far, out of all the women, I've never met someone more honest and just caring and this gentleness, like, you just have this gentleness and this patience with people, like, I feel like you could tell that I was absolutely crapping myself because I had no idea what I was really doing. I was kind of thrown in the deep end with presenting. All I'd ever done was acting work and maybe a little bit of radio. And you were like, you are going to be fine, darling. You're going to be fine. And you were like, just make sure you get in. We talk a lot, so just get us to shut up and talk. And I was like, okay. And then, like, before I knew it, I was your fill-in when you were taking days off. And I was like, how has this happened? Like... Of all the people to fill in for, I never thought I saw that coming. And but I, you know how it happened because you're beautiful, because you're oh. honest, you have a wonderful spirit, and and you're good. And, and I oh. think something you are. You have a beautiful honesty. You're funny. You're smart. You're all those things and more. And and I'm such a believer in supporting one another and especially supporting women to find their voice. Mm. Because I know for me, once I found my voice, that was so exciting for me to do that. And, and I think we need to make sure that we nurture and encourage as many other women yeah. to also find their voices, to also go, you know what? I am enough. I can sit at this table and contribute and I can offer something yeah. as myself. I don't have to be someone else, I don't have to pretend that I'm this whatever, that you are enough as who you are. Mm. And, and I think too with work for me, working in television for many years, that I've been in situations where I've been in work environments that haven't been generous, where I've felt, oh, my, oh, you know, my kind of quirky take on things, whatever hasn't been encouraged, has been sort of scoffed at or pushed aside. And I know how that has made me feel. So demeaning. It is horrible. It's the worst feeling in the world. It is awful. And so I had, I think over time, just thought, you know what? I want to be in work environments where not only can I find my voice, but I can encourage people around me to also be themselves. That it doesn't just because one person shines does not then mean 
no one else can. It's yeah. a, there's enough for everyone. Yeah. There is enough to go round. Yeah. Everyone has a story. Everyone has an opinion that needs to be given the time and space to breathe and, and that they need to be respected. So for me, I've made it, yeah, it's, it's a big part of who I am and when I'm working that I make sure that people around me feel comfortable because I know that's when I perform at my best and I think we need to make sure that more and more people can be in that situation, mm. especially when you work in creative environments yeah. where you are putting yourself out there. Yeah. You are, you're like, oh. You're so what? raw. You're oh, just like, here's everything and uh, my soul too. Yeah, and then you're uh, like, can I, then, I'll get the soul back at the end of the day, right? Like, yeah. you guys are, are you guys keeping that? Yeah, are you just going <laughs> to squish on me or yeah. what's, and, and so I think that's really important mm. to get the best out of everyone around you. Mm. But I feel like a lot of people would look at your circumstance and go, she's just, it would be so easy, you know what I mean? Like they would look at your beautiful husband, Peter, and they would look at your daughters and they would look at your life and they would look at your family and everything that you've achieved and gone, she's so lucky, it's all luck. And it's like, when you dive into your story, you realise how much work you've truly had to put in in order to get where you are today. Like you, gr you have to grind that axe. Like you really have to just... You know, my birth, my birth father said it best, you head down, bum in the air and go for it. And you just, you go after what you want it to be. And I was wondering, because I have those moments you're talking about where you're working with a group of people and they're just so negative. They're like these energy sucking poo heads. Negative ninjas. Oh, negative go... ninjas. Yeah, they're like, I'm gonna take all of that. Oh, and by the way, your soul, you're not gonna get that back at the end of the day. And you're like, good, I didn't want it anyway. So I'm gonna go cry over here on my own. What is your way and how have you managed to put yourself in a position where you work with decent people? Because I, at the beginning, well, technically it was the end of last year, I did this exercise where I kept dating really shit guys and I was like, I've got to stop doing this because it's bad for me, it's bad for just the environment. Like, I feel like it's like recycling, you know what I mean? <laughs> I just keep putting them in the bin and going, why is the landfill getting bigger? Because um, you so didn't put them in the right I bin. didn't put them in the right bin. <laughs> Shove so, them in the... <laughs> yeah, the regular recycling. like, oh, your paper, not plastic. Um, anyway, so I actually wrote a list of my ideal partner and how I saw him being. And then literally four weeks later, I met him. And he's this amazing guy. And we're not together at the moment, but... I see us being together one day in the future, but at least he was nice. Like he actually treated me with respect. Like he wanted me around and enjoyed my time. And you know, we could just sit down and eat muffins and it was a good day. And I thought, why am I not doing that for my work and my friendships? And I started writing these lists of the perfect people that I wanted to work with and the perfect friends that I wanted around in my life. And since doing that, slowly but surely, all these crappy, negative, unrecyclable people are leaving my life just purely by chance. And all these beautiful, amazing people like yourself are slowly starting to orbit around me. And it's just kind of happening. I'm not trying to make it happen. And I was like, for people who are watching you thinking it's just perfect for her, she's just managed to make it happen, you don't understand, I can't just make it happen like that. What are some of the things that you would like, okay, this is a bad pattern, Jess. Don't do that anymore. <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> How did you break them? Or are you still doing what I do where you're like, 
revert to the list. And you have those little things where you go back to it and you check in and you're like, well, that person's not on the list, are they? They don't have these qualities, so I'm not going to give them as much energy. You don't hate them or, like, try to take them down in some kind of weird <laughs> Gossip Girl-style episode of life. You just don't give them as much energy. You're like, I'll put it into this person because they have those attributes. So that's my thing. You're very organised with your list. It's a bit it's much, good. is no, it? I think it's great okay. because it works for you. It does, though. I'm not good at lists. Okay. Oh, occasionally, but no, <laughs> I'm not good at lists. So I'm more kind of, I'll sort of think and then I'll have these ideas and go, oh, that's what I'll do. Well, that's what I need to do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there is a any there's not a simple one-size-fits-all way of having a charmed life and I still struggle at different times I think for everyone it's about and I believe this more and more we have to be kind to ourselves and that can often be a bit like well what does that mean being kind to yourself but we don't we won't talk to our, our friends or our partners or our kids the way that we talk to ourselves in our head. So true. And, but, but we still do it. We still say, yeah. oh, you're not good enough or if you did this, you'd be better or nah, you're hopeless at this or that's not going to work out. We do it to ourselves, but we don't mm. say it to the people that we love. So we, you need to somehow stop that negative soundtrack in your head and I'm getting much better at doing that but there are still times when I'm sort of going oh like (laughs) no I didn't handle that very well (laughs) that wasn't very good Um, and um I mean, I'm just laughing because, I mean, this is far far lighter, but, you know, you say, oh, you're so patient with people. I, I wasn't very patient with my family this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's the end of the school holidays. I was just like, oh, can you just all go and leave me in peace? <laughs> so why I'm trying to be on the phone and why are you right there behind me talking in my ear, Petey? Why are you there asking me questions about all this stuff? Just go away, everyone. Bah, bah, bah. And then afterwards I went, I came back and I said to them, to yeah, my daughters and Peter said, I'm sorry that I lost the plot just then, but I'm yeah. just like, I need some space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm by no means perfect, but I think it's all about oh, when you go through difficult times in your life, that's when you learn about what you're made of. It's when you learn who matters and what matters. It's when you learn what you can let go of Mm. and also what you can't let go of and what you want to hold on to tight. And I, it's, it's, so it's been so gradual. As I had said early on, in my life, in my career, I was very goal orientated and okay, I'm going to do this with my career and I'm going to get here and there and na na na, but didn't stop to think, well, is that actually going to make me happy just because I have a, a title or appear to have a, a perfect career? And, and then I struggled to meet good fellas. I would just, oh my God, I had a succession of, it was like, really? I look back now and I think, what were you doing? I but, know, but right? It was part of yeah. not being kind to myself. 
because you Amen. sabotage. Oh, yeah. You, you choose these people that yeah. you just go, really? And then you realise, oh, and that's how surprised. I think about myself. Then you're surprised yeah. when, they, when they turn out to be dirtbags. <laughs> like, really? You didn't notice that when you first met them? How many of your friends and family were like, look, we're going to support you in this? <laughs> But we just want you to know we don't think he's right for you. Well, but we're going to support you anyway. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's nice. No, they wouldn't say it because they know I don't like to be told anything. I'm very oh, stubborn. Okay, so right. if they said that, I then would have probably at the time done the opposite and just Made stayed with the person for right. longer. Just, just so that go, you can go, see? So I. There's your opinion. <laughs> all right. You can't tell me what to do. You're not my real mum. But it's all yeah. part of learning, growing mm -hmm. up, letting go of the stuff, again, that doesn't matter, holding on to what matters to you. And that yeah. changes. That changes over time. Yeah. And a, as you grow, as you work out what makes you happy, mm. who are the people that you want to surround yourself with? What is the work that you want to do? What is it that that you feel passionately about? And and, and so for me, I'm, I'm still, I am still very much a work in progress because professionally I took a big um, sort of shift when I left Studio 10, 10, 10 months ago now. I was so bummed. <laughs> I, was, I was like, what do you mean? And when I, when I read, because I was going to fill in for you at the beginning of last year when you took a day off or something. And then all of a sudden I just get this text message from Tori going, um, just letting you know that she's one of the producers. The whole panel's going to be changing soon. Um, we're not really going to be doing fill-in spots anymore, but if it comes up, we'll let you know. And I was like, what? And then literally the next day it was announced that you weren't on the panel anymore. And, like, everyone was, like, talking about who's going to replace her. And I was like, you just watched all these vultures come in? And I think I had maybe three people message me and go, here's your chance. And I was like, I don't think you understand. <laughs> this is, like, in a way it was, like, me losing a, a TV work mentor, like someone that I've oh. looked up to, you know what I mean? So I was like, no, 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 I don't think you understand the relationship that I've had with Jess at all for you. no. So, because what, was that just for family reasons and also yeah. for Crap Housewife, yes. which, by the way, I'm a huge fan. Because you do that with Denise, right? With we Ding do. We, we, we yeah. do a podcast together called One Fat Lady and One Thin Lady. That's right. And we have so much fun doing that. And, and so meeting Nisi through Studio 10 was such a joy because we've become such great friends. She's wild. Oh, I love her. Oh. She makes me and to because laughter to me, mm. that is the key, I think, yeah. to life. Yeah. You have to laugh. You have to keep laughing. Yeah. You ha even when, you know, black humour, whatever it is, when when there's <laughs> everything's yeah. falling apart, you still have to see some light, some humour in it. And and I laughter I think is is the panacea for so much. And, and what I love about our friendship is she's so organised. She's probably, she'd be... She'd be all about my... like that and hats and... My pinball. Immaculate, all yeah. of that. Um, <laughs> whereas I'm a lot more chaotic. But we... She, she gets my silly side and mm -hmm. she brings more of that out of me and just we laugh and we have such a lovely time together. Mm. And so that's that friendship to me. That's so mm. special. But in terms of, of leading Studio 10, that was very much for family reasons. My, my daughters are, you know, Allegra's 12 going on 20, and it <laughs> terrifies me. She is. She's very... Ever. If she was here chatting with you, she'd go, 
Right, so, and she'd be, oh man, she'd be chatting, she'd be grilling you about everything. Amazing. Oh, and From what I've seen on social media when you've oh, posted about her, she's very intelligent, very intelligent young woman. Very she well is, spoken. She is. She's got it all sorted out. Well, she'd like to think she mm. has it all sorted out, right. as you do when you're 12. You've got it all sorted out, Allegra, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> she'd be going, yes! <laughs> but then she'd be like, Mum, you're so... So embarrassing. I'm yeah. the world's most embarrassing mum. I can't walk now next to her. I have to walk behind her because she's oh, like, mum, no. I can't do this yeah. with you. Yeah, no, no, like, no, 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 mum, don't. And don't, oh. don't woohoo. I can't, I'm too loud. Don't, don't woohoo. I love your woohoo. Don't be loud. Don't be. Mm. Oh. Like that. Woohoo! <laughs> 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 that even likes a woohoo at the ship out there. <laughs> So that was such good time. Woohooing is good. <laughs> Can I just say, I am so hot. I'm oh, like, don't. I know. I'm, it's I'm such a beautiful I worry that I'm going through menopause. Oh, no, I'm having hot flashes <laughs> as well, and I'm only 33, so. Um, oh, yeah. Um, we will put that fan on the minute we're oh, done. Like, but, yeah. Yeah, so with leaving work and also too it's kind of like not leaving work but leaving studio 10 so i'm still writing creating mm. working out what next but i think and this is what i now have the courage to do and the confidence to do is to make change that that some i used to think oh now i've got this yeah. job i've got to hold you on to hold it, on to it. Oh, because yeah. oh if i let go then everything's going to fall apart and yeah. no oh. that is not no really? it's not the case you sure i am sure <laughs> it's freeing and it's freeing in unexpected ways mm. and and i think as well and this is what i'm learning over time is we do change over time, but also our priorities shift at different stages in our lives, yeah. depending on what else is going on. And I know for me now, I have to like, lean in really hard for my girls and for Petey and, and lean out a bit from my, my career in the sense of doing TV five days a week, that got to the point where it was becoming more of a, and I don't want to say grind because I know that it's such a great role and a fantastic opportunity, but... It was taking your focus away from your family. That's right, and yeah. it was taking my focus away from what mattered and what matters to me now. really, really so much now, exactly. Yeah. And because I know, looking at my daughters, Sooner rather than later, they're not going to want a bar of me. <laughs> Even now they don't. But but it's really important now that I, I connect yeah. and, and I'm present. Mm -hmm. Because what I was finding was I was becoming less and less present with them because I'd be kind of thinking about work, what I had to do with work, and I'd be oh, tired, wow. I'd be grumpy, I'd be... And I'd sort of just be going through the motions and then yeah. fall in a heat Friday night exhausted and then think, oh, my God, the weekend, what are we going to do? You have to spend oh. time with the family when and it should be the other way around. Yeah, and I would just be... I just was feeling pulled in all sorts of directions and then actually realised, actually, you can make a change here. You do have a choice and I, I appreciate that I was able to make a, my choice 
has, is easier because I have a partner who has a job who can still pay the bills and the mortgage, that, sure. that, that there was that safety net that made that choice easier for me, mm -hmm. but even more so then showed me make the choice, like don't, yeah. don't keep procrastinating about this really listen I had to listen to what to what my heart was telling me mm. and that's I know with my mental health when I st when I st uh, start ignoring what my heart is telling me and try and logically justify things that I'm doing and that becomes more and more out of whack I know I need to recalibrate and go, hey, wait a minute. Mm. Why are you doing all these things that are so out of tune with what your heart is telling you? Even though logically you're going, oh, come on, it's a good job. And, oh, if you leave it, you might not ever get another job in television. Da, da, da. Why would you, or, you know, it yeah. works really well because it's early mornings, but you can pick the kids up from school, all these sorts of things. But then inside of me, I was thinking, but I'm not happy. I, yeah. don't I, I don't like the person I'm becoming because I'm tired, yeah. because I felt resentful. Yeah. And I don't like to be resentful. I thought, what have I got to be resentful about? So it was just, I was moving more and more away from listening to what was happening in here. Yeah. And also I think I know that what I try and do more and more now is go for things that bring me joy make choices in my life about what is going to bring me joy. Mm -hmm. You know, you were talking about lists with friends and partners and jobs and those sorts of things to want to surround yourself with good people. Yeah. And that's part of it, I think. Yeah. It's part of, for me, thinking, well, what, what is going to bring me joy? What, what can I do that is still going to satisfy my prof professional self and also my brain, but also make me feel like, yes, this, if I'm away from my family, I feel good about doing this. And so that was why I thought, you know what, time, time to make a change. And, mm -hmm. and it was when I decided, it was funny because we went back to the very same place for holidays this year, we went to Thailand. Oh. And it was the most beautiful place, this beautiful beach. And I remember, Pete and I kind of reflected that the year before was when I'd sort of said, hey, I, I, I'm going to leave because often yeah. I'll, I'll think, think, think and then make these big declarations. Okay, I'm leaving. And Pete is like much more sensible Cute. than me, which is good. <laughs> He's yeah. like, really? Are like, you know? <laughs> says, you're going to miss it if you leave. Do you really think that's a good idea? Yeah. And so then I had thought, oh, okay, I'll do another year don't know why I thought a year would be a good amount but then when I you know it's just yes okay then I'll do another year and then I'll leave but I didn't tell anyone but then when I went back to work and those feelings were still very much I thought no, you can't you cannot you know waste away this year yeah at what cost just yeah. for the sake of going I'm doing another year. Like, who yeah. am I proving it to? Myself. Or, yeah. So that's, yeah, sometimes I think all of us, we have to make those decisions mm. and embrace change. Yeah. Change can be really good. And sometimes even if you're making a decision at a time when you're feeling the most vulnerable and the most, like, 
uncertain, like how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to get this sorted out? What, when am I going to do this? And when am I going to do that? And you start freaking out. Sometimes when you get lost in that, you realise that that's all ego. That's just the ego telling you, you'll die if you do this. Just so you know, if you take that risk, you'll die. And if you just remember that your ego is not you, it's just a part, it's just a very small part of you that can be a bit of a jerk sometimes. <laughs> kind of yeah, like, exactly. You know exactly. how I, you know how I acknowledge my ego? My ego is like a parking ticket officer. He's like, he shows up with a bloody parking ticket when you're like, mate, I'm about to move my car. Can you just, <laughs> can you give me 10 more minutes? I'll go, look, I'll go get change right now and he's like no I'm gonna put on your car anyway and you're like great that's how I associate with my my ego it's like it's not you it's just this little voice that sometimes shows up to remind you that you're human that's all and that you're gonna make mistakes every now and again you just don't make decisions based on that voice yes. that's all yes. you just you hear it and you go thank you Thanks for your input. You can bugger off now. Thanks very much. I'm going to go have a cup of tea and a lie down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks clearly... for that. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm either in a really bad place or I'm getting my period. I don't know which one it is, <laughs> but I'll work it out on my own time, okay? Might do some downward dog and some yoga and meditate. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, I, like so many of the people that I have come in and talked to on this podcast, I mean, this podcast is literally the fruition of what you're talking about, is me going... Bugger it! I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up. I'm gonna do what I really love. Like I'm not that into acting anymore. I love acting, but it wasn't enough for me. And filmmaking wasn't enough for me. And I love radio, but radio is so commercial. And it's just these laughing tracks. And sometimes I found myself laughing at something. I was like, I don't even think this is funny. I'm just laughing because I feel like I have to. And I can only imagine how annoying that is in someone's car. And you you get lost in this stupid performance moment. And this podcast is about stripping all of that away and just being honest and being in the moment, which is why, you know, you've got the guy upstairs welding something clearly to a wall <laughs> and there's a foghorn going off in the harbour. Going, woohoo! Yeah. Woohooing with me! <laughs> and we're sitting here melting, melting like candles. Like, oh, <laughs> Sydney summer. My glittery eyeliner, I think, is going to be halfway down my face. Do you know what? You've actually, it's perfect. <laughs> you would be saying it's perfect. I feel like mine is melting down past my nose ring and, like, I feel like I've got drips of snot, but I'm pretty sure they're fine. So we'll leave you with that delicious image um, of us melting like candles. We're going to press pause on this bad boy, maybe put the fan on, I think. Just, oh, yes. We need, we need yes. some air before oh. we both pass out. Um, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, you're it's beautiful. Pleasure. I'm so, you know what? I love you and I'm so excited for what is ahead for you because you can do all of those things that you were just talking about. You don't have to be just one. You're, oh, so. You've got so much to do and so much talent and so much to offer and you just go for it. I can't wait to see where it's going to take you. Oh, it's so wonderful. You. Oh, that's very nice of you. Thank you. Well, that is in all essence the wonderful, vulnerable honesty that is Jessica Rowe. I mean, that final sentiment there, that that really applies to you as well, not just me. Because I know that she would mean that for you too. It's just the kind of person that she is. She sees the good in others and, and loves people equally. She's a brilliant and amazing woman. And at the end of the day, you only really fail when you decide to give up. Otherwise, you, you're kind of still succeeding if you think about it. So look, if you want to get a hold of those um, four books that she's written, especially her most recent one, we will actually share those on our socials. But also, if you want to get a hold of her podcast, One Fat Lady and One Skinny Lady, you can find that on her Instagram, which is Jess J. Rowe. And she actually does that with the lovely Denise Drysdale, who is hilarious. She's crazy funny. She's so unreal. I love her. 
I've got a great anecdote about her and carrots, but that's a story for another day and it could actually get her arrested. Sorry, Denise. You know what I'm talking about. You know. Make sure you stay in touch with us as well on the onetogetherpodcast.com website. Otherwise, you can get us via email at onetogetherpodcast at gmail.com. We're always wanting your feedback and we will share your comments and questions should you wish. Otherwise, if there was someone you want to get on or have your own story, that is the best way to get a hold of us. But you can also get a hold of me directly on my social media, which is Heather underscore Maltman. That's on Instagram or Heather Maltman official is the one on Facebook because clearly I'm very official. Like I should definitely be running for prime minister because I would nail it. Actually, I probably would do a lot better than the people that are there at the moment, but no judgment. Do what you can. The YouTube channel is um, just my name again. It is Heather Maltman, which you clearly have not heard enough of. And you can also make sure to like and subscribe to one of our nine platforms so that you can continue listening to our podcast each week. So just remember, One Together Podcast is the podcast reminding you that one is in fact not the loneliest number because one plus one is two, my friend. And then it multiplies from there. I know. I know. I'm a modern day Yoda. It's... It's a gift. I'll catch you next week. See ya.